Good afternoon and welcome to Joy News today, live from our studio here in Accra. We're live on DSTV channel 421 and GoTV channel 125 around the world on myjoyonline.com. Coming up, officials of Roads and Highways Ministry head to Northeast region to assess extent of havoc caused by Wednesday's downpour, which has left major road linking the region to the southern part of the country inaccessible, as well as halting all commercial activities there. Also, Bank of Ghana rejects claims it is to blame for the over 60 billion cities loss in its 2020 fiscal 2022 fiscal year report as it exposes failings of government's 2022 budget for the anomaly. And haulage trucks transiting Tema take over streets of the harbor city with dangerous parking, risking the safety of other road users. We'll hear from some residents of Tema who are asking city authorities to check the prevailing lawlessness endangering their lives. We have details of all of these plus business and more in this uh, bulletin. Stay with us for details. Now, officials of the Roads and Highways Authority are expected in the northeast region following havoc caused to the major road leading to the region to the southern part of the country. Torrential rainfall on Wednesday caused the collapse of a huge colonial era dam at Tinguri in the West Mampusi municipality of the northeast region. Floodwaters from the collapsed dam inundated the community, causing a bridge on the main Walewale Nalerigu Road to be washed off splitting the road apart and leaving dozens of passengers and motorists stranded for long hours. All commercial activities in the region have come to a standstill this uh, afternoon. Now, join us, Elias Utanko, recount the devastation caused by the floods. The torrential rains started at about 4 a.m. Wednesday and poured unceasingly until midday. The heavy rains across the region left a trail of destruction as homes were flooded and personal properties as well as public utilities destroyed. At Tingui in the West Mampersi municipality, the rains caused the community dam to collapse and excessive water spill from the collapsed dam submerged and washed away a bridge on the main Walewale Nalirugu Road. The road was ripped apart by floodwaters from the dam causing several passengers traveling on the road to be stranded. Here are some residents of Tinguru and Bani who witnessed the collapse of the dam and the destruction of the road. No, as you can see, a lot of farms have been destroyed and some people's houses have been broken down. So please, uh, if the government can come to our aid and help us, and then you see how they can they fix it for us because that cannot pass to Waliwali and that too cannot pass from Waliwali to Nalerugu. So the river has been uh, destroyed. We are unable to cross the Timbri, same way the people of Timbri are unable to reach us. If you have any assistance, we need it immediately. 
The rain has caused a lot of havoc. It has destroyed our bridge and has rendered the road on more trouble. As you can see, if they didn't come and block it, diocese will not get water to build our houses. Our animals too will not get water to drink. So we are appealing to the stakeholders. Anyone who can come to our aid, we are pleading, please help us. If not, this year we will not find it easy. A group of travelers from Naliruku was seen stranded here in Bani. Although officials of the National Disaster Management Organization visited the scene, the stranded passengers said they did not provide any assistance to them. As a result, a group of young people in Tinguri and Bani mobilized themselves and discovered a new route where desperate travelers crossed for a fee. Passengers traveling in and out of the regional capital were offloaded at Tinguri and Bani, where they had to walk several miles or ride pillion through the bush road to reach this new crossing point. Emmanuel is the leader of the group. As you can see over there, you can see our other colleagues over there helping the other people over there. So when they come, also help them go there. So we need help. Uh, we we'll beg. If anybody there around can help us, we we'll the beg. We we'll the beg. North East Road. The main road of North is broke. Today, this early in the morning, around 6 o'clock, rain, rain, to 12 o'clock before it stopped, it broke the northeast rain. It broke the northeast road. So we need help. The rains are said to have also caused significant damage to residential buildings and other properties in the East Mampusi municipality and the Yuyo district. The disaster management organization said it could take days to conduct a full and complete assessment of the situation due to the intensity of destruction. The regional minister, who was also at the scene, declined to comment. The member of parliament for Nalergu Gambaga Alhaji Baba said Risifu, who was traveling to his constituency, was forced to return to Tamil. Atinguri, flood, and other weather-related disasters are common in the northeast region. Some of the victims are blaming their leaders for neglecting them. As you can see, if you go inside, you see what is happening. It caused a lot of havoc inside. And all the time, we, we complain about it. But since that and up to now, authorities, they don't listen. Until sometimes, even something major happens, they don't come to our aid. When you come to our rooms, we can't sleep today. Where are we going to sleep? And sometimes when you complain, 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 they don't listen. They really want someone to die before they will now come to our aid. Or what do they want? Elias Sotanko reporting from Tinguri for Joy News. Meanwhile, officials of the region, including the disaster management organization, say for now it is impossible to conduct a comprehensive assessment of the situation as they call for immediate national attention. Northeast Regional Director of NADMO, John Kwekwal Hassan, spoke to Joy News on his desk with uh, Bernice Abubaydu Lansa. What we are saying is that yesterday we experienced a heavy downpour and uh, almost every part of the region was uh, flooded. And then uh, the Tunguli question was that, uh, you know, there's a dam there uh, at uh, Bani. So the dam collapsed and then washed away the bridge. So NADMO and other security agencies were there to ensure that lots of properties are not lost. So I'm even surprised to hear some of them uh, making such comments that uh, they need assistance and they didn't get. What kind of assistance do they need and they didn't get? Well, we're there. Even the regional minister, the MC for West Manpussi Municipality, national officials, were there. 
And we actually ensured that lands and properties were not lost yesterday. And you know, the whole place was inundated with water. So we need uh, to take time for the water to receive before national officials can even get onto the phone. To give the proper attention, nobody is trapped. What we are saying is that it's the farms and the roads that are destroyed. And then we ensure that people should not even get closer to the disaster center so that they can be affected. All right, and so... we're on the ground. As I speak to you now, we are on the ground monitoring the situation. Okay. And I'm told that the minister this morning uh, uh, told us that the Minister of Roads and Transport, they are coming to the, uh, the, the incident thing to assess the situation so that from there uh, we will see what we can do to help the, uh, the people... Uh, AMP for Nalerego Gambaga, Alhaji Yusuf Baba Seydou said NADMO must be proactive in soliciting help for affected communities. Speak now. There's virtually no way somebody can access Nalerego Gambaga and for them as they're doing and the rest of those are German constituents and communities. So it is a very serious situation. Three years ago, we had the same flag and some bridges were washed off. I made a call. I even filed a question on the floor of Parliament to that effect. Up to now, those bridges are still hanging. And those particular communities in Tipena and Bukwajo, two bridges were washed off. Those communities for the past three years don't have access to, especially when we, have, when we are in the rainy season, getting to hospitals, getting to schools, coming out to do business and uh, carry on their economy, uh, even farming activities becomes a problem. So this particular one is a very serious one, a devastating disaster for us, and the national officer must be calling for government intervention. But what we are saying is that we need a very serious intervention because um, farms have been washed off, people have been in the farms for the past three months, now their crops have been washed off, you know, markets are flooded, and people have been forced to evacuate their, 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 their. Well, the regional minister for North East is expecting official from the Roads and Highways Ministry uh, in the region. As soon as they land, we'll take you back to the area uh, to get update on that particular visit and what will become of it. But uh, let's uh, turn our attention to Cecilia Dapat now because uh, we'll take you to a residence where more details are emerging from the search and seizure conducted by the Office of the Special Prosecutor at the residence of the former Water and Sanitation Minister, Cecilia Abna Dapa. A motion asking the court to allow the OSP to hold on to the money seized from the search and further freeze Madame Dapa's bank account will be moved next week, Thursday. My colleague Kojo Yangsin joins me in studio uh, with more on this. Kojo, what do we know now? We have rich detail uh, mm. from the motion that was filed in the Superior Court of Justice uh, on the 8th of this month, uh, 2023, uh, uh, August 2023. Mm. Now, uh, this, this particular motion is accompanied by an affidavit signed by Equia Adia, who is um, a state attorney mm. at the Office of the Special Prosecutor. Now, it contains several details, including uh, this. They say that um, on the 5th of July... Uh, on the basis of a complaint filed by the respondent and her spouse, in this case Cecilia Dapa and her husband, um, uh, 
they actually went to search the um, respondent's home as part of their investigation. Uh, and um, I can share with you the amounts of money that they found mm. as a result of this search. Uh, so uh, they, it led to the discovery, and I'm reading directly from paragraph 11. The searches led to the discovery of the cash sums of 590000 United States dollars mm. and 2,730,000 cities. Wow. Okay, and these were found at the Abilinkpe residence. Okay, so uh, the amounts again, 590,000 US dollars and 2.73 million Ghana cities. Now, in the home? Yes, in the Abilinkpe home. Uh, this is the same home where um, the original alleged One robberies uh, took place. Okay, now uh, the OSP, the Office of the Special Prosecutor, seized these amounts to prevent uh, concealment. Mm. Now, um, this motion also talks about um, uh, the fact that um, the OSP's investigation is as a result of... Um, well, part of it is, is justified by the Attorney General's direction to the CID to determine the ownership of two of the amounts stolen, the 200,000 U.S. dollars and the 300,000 euros. Uh, the Attorney General, in its directive to the um, CID, stated that those two amounts, w- there was no clarity over who owns them. And so the CID should look into it. And the OSP quotes this to okay. say that this means that their investigation is reasonable. Okay. So there seems to be some collaboration mm. between the mm. Attorney General's office and the OSP. Okay. There. Now, in addition to this, the order is to freeze two bank accounts. Okay. Uh, sorry, the bank accounts of Cecilia Dapa in two banks. Okay. So in Prudential Bank, there are three current accounts that have been seized. Okay. The account numbers and details are provided. Um, these three accounts were opened at the Ring Road Central branch. All Prudential three of them. Bank. Yes, all three of them. Now, there, there are three accounts frozen at Societe Generale okay. Ghana. One of those accounts was opened at the Airport City branch. Mm. Two of them were opened at the Accra Main branch. Mm. The instruction of the Office of the Special Prosecutor to these two banks is that they must freeze these accounts and by close of day mm-hmm. on the 9th of August they were to provide the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor with the bank balances mm-hmm. to these um, six bank accounts belonging to Cecilia Dapai. And we are told that these accounts are both for local and foreign mm-hmm. currency. We also understand that please have updated the Attorney General on their work so far. Absolutely. Now, uh, we will be sharing the details of uh, those uh, updates uh, in coming bulletins. Interesting. Uh, So that's the details we are getting for you on the Cecilia Abna Dapa case. Uh, The amount, again, are staggering. Just go over it before I let you go. uh, uh, The The search um, of the OSP Mm. at uh, the Abilimpe residence of Madam Cecilia Dapa revealed uh, 590,000 US dollars in cash and 2,730,000 Ghana cities also in cash on uh, the premises. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Well, Let's take you to other stories because the Bank of Ghana says the faults in the government's 2022 budget failed to address fiscal concerns. The minority this week gave the governor and his deputies 21 days to resign over a 60 billion city loss 
the bank incurred, or they will picket their premises. But in an explosive response, Governor Dr. Ernest Addison indicates that the central bank cannot be blamed for the loss. My colleague Elton Blobe details extracts of the statement in the following report. Two points are One responding to the 60.8 billion Ghana cities, and the other one directly responding to the minority NDC statement or news conference that they, they had on Tuesday. Now let's stay with the gaps that they identified in the 2022 budget. According to the Bank of Ghana, uh, they said that as a result of the fiscal deficit in 2020, a sovereign spread on Ghana's bonds widened, signaling investor dissatisfaction. According to the budget for 2022, which was read in 2021, failed to address fiscal concerns as the budget was even more expansionary by about 23% with a raft of revenue measures to raise financing. As a result, the credit rating agencies, Fitch and the rest, further downgraded Ghana's sovereign debt rating, which blocked Ghana's access to international capital market borrowing. This, according to the Bank of Ghana, triggered a liquidity crisis spilling over into a balance of payment crisis. Now, external and domestic payment needed to be made. The domestic auction was failing, and the Bank of Ghana, according to the statement, had to step in to arrest a major economic, social crisis that, you know, uh, the country was faced with. Then. Our economist, Dr. Said Boache, has been making sense of the BOG statement. He spoke to us on his desk. Um, while I'm not in the position to be able to fully exonerate the uh, Bank of Ghana, because I don't have all the details, the nitty-gritty of it, nevertheless, people should cut the Bank of Ghana at large. In the sense that, you know, what happened in 2022 was very unusual. The government had planned a budget, and in the first quarter, they have planned to go and borrow four billion US dollars from the Eurobond bank, Eurobond market, bond market. As a result of the downgrade, the country was the country was virtually blocked from that market. Meanwhile, the government has done its own planning. What we should also understand is that it is not easy for government to retrench money or the biggest part of this budget. Look at compensation of employees, debt service, and others, which are even more than revenue. Secondly, even though also underperformed, the Bank of Ghana has to step in, and everybody has to understand this. Everybody has to understand this. The Bank of Ghana has to step in. In addition to IMF, IMF also has to understand that. And that is why in our review of the IMF program, we are telling IMF that you cannot put that block, that limit on our Bank of Ghana intervention. That is what is done everywhere in the world. When the central bank is in deep fiscal trouble, deep liquidity trouble, the central bank has to step in. So definitely the Bank of Ghana has to step in. Even though I do not know the amount involved that was supposed to be involved. And if they have overdone it, it's another thing. Still on the Bank of Ghana losses, the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana are backing calls for the resignation of Governor Dr. Ernest Addison, Executive Secretary of the Association, Samson Asaki Awingobet, that said the demand is essential to rescue the central bank's reputation. I think this issue should not be only left to only the minority alone to, to be talking about it or to be fighting about it. Um, this issue has to do with Ghana and every level-headed Kenyan 
rightful thinker should be should be worried because if you remember 2018 2019 there about there were some collapse of financial institutions by the governor of bank of ghana and his board of directors what was it the reason was that these banks had mismanaged and these banks were insolvency and because of that the, the governor of bank of ghana overnight closed them down today we are seeing the same regulator who is saying that he's writing off certain debts about 48 billion we are seeing the same governor or the same bank of ghana who is saying that they have made losses over 60 billion and so you think that if the other md of a commercial bank could not stay in at post uh, and their staff could not stay at post you can be at post when you have also caused that same uh, issues what were the reason? The reason was that if they did, they did not take that decision to collapse those commercial banks at that time, uh, they, our city was not going to be we, we strong, resilient, and the economy was not going to be very resilient. Is that not it? And so today, it is now hit at your doorsteps. What decision? If I were to, in principle, you don't, they, don't, they did not need, the governor did not need the NDC as a political party to call for his head or for, for him to resign. Honestly, if, in principle, if I were to be the governor of Bank of Ghana, I would I Samson Asaki would have resigned. He also recommended a stronger collaboration between the finance ministry and the Bank of Ghana towards addressing the country's economic woes. Going forward, I strongly believe that uh, the Bank of Ga the, the Bank of Ghana and the finance ministry should be talking to, to, to each other. I think today, I don't know if you are very much aware that today, as we speak, the inflation rate has gone up and food inflation rate is leading. And I said it in the 2023 mid-year budget review, we're expecting the, the finance minister to abolish the COVID levy. We're expecting the, uh, the finance minister to abolish the 2% import levy. Then we're expecting the finance minister to at least give her the 30% back on the re restoration of the 30% on the Benjamin values. Based on that, import duty will have come down and there will have been instability. So far as you have taken, you withdraw the total reversal of the Benjamin values where Ghanaians used to pay about, let's say, 70,000 to clear for a container. And today, that same container will be cleared at 250,000 to 300,000. Definitely, you have directly brought in inflation to us. And, and, and I remember a week ago or so, the Bank of Ghana increased their prime rate, saying that they were doing that to make sure they fight or they fought inflation. And little did they know that today, inflation has gone up again. So, quite clearly, I think the two institutions are not working. And when the two institutions are not in talking terms, definitely that, that is the, the suffering that they will bring to with the Ghanaian. Then, when you want to ask questions, then they are smart to say, I am in charge of financial policy, a fiscal policy, that's the Minister of Finance. Then the Bank of Ghana say, I am in charge of monetary policy. But when you have your fiscal policy and monetary policy not in talking terms, definitely they, they, they leave you to inflation to struggle on your own. And that, that should not be the case. I strongly believe that the, finance, the current finance minister and the current governor of Bank of Ghana has failed the president of Kufuado government. And they have exposed the government to the extent that I thought it was only the domestic exchange program was affecting only commercial banks. I did not know that it also affected our Bank of Ghana to the extent that if today we are out, we are to do uh, this, that, uh, assuming what happened at, at, at Nigel occurred to us, I'm not saying it should, it should happen. But today, if Nigel is in crisis with the sanctions that ECOWAS and others are, are issuing to, on them, then it means that they cannot even feed themselves. We cannot even feed, feed ourselves for only three weeks. 
Let's take you back to the Cecilia Abinanda Pass story because we're getting some latest information on that development. My colleague Kojo Inyangsen is with me, but uh, we understand the OSP found $590,000 and $2,730,000 Ghana cities at uh, Cecilia Dapes Agbalingbe residence. Kojo, mm-hmm. what more are we learning? Well, uh, I mentioned to you earlier that the OSP has asked Prudential Bank to mm. freeze three accounts and yeah. any other accounts belonging to Cecilia Dapa mm. and asked SG uh, Societe General to freeze three accounts okay. uh, and any other mm. investments or accounts belonging to Cecilia Dapa. Well, we've just received information from our sources mm. that um, the banks have communicated the balances of these accounts okay. uh, to the OSP. Now, I can tell you that the banks determined that there were four bank accounts in the name of Cecilia Dapa at Prudential Bank. And I have the bank balances for two of them. Okay. One of them contained five million US dollars. The other one contained 48 million Ghana cities. Wow. And these are two accounts at Prudential Bank. Wow. At Societe Generale, there was one account that contained a 1 million Ghana CD investment. And the other was a cash bank account with a balance of 700,000 Ghana CDs. So 5 million US dollars and 48 million Ghana CDs at Prudential and 1 million Ghana CDs investment plus 700,000 Ghana CDs cash at Societe Generale. These are uh, the funds held in the name of Cecilia Dapa, former minister for sanitation and water. And, and this is, I mean, for Prudential, these are two accounts out of four. Out of four accounts that have been declared by the bank to the OSP. And they've been frozen. They are all frozen as we speak. Thank you. Uh, so that's the latest uh, on the Cecilia Abna Dapa case. I- interesting, you know, development uh, there. Uh, but uh, let's move on to other stories and talk about the impact of the uh, Niger uh, coup. Now it says outrage uh, brews among uh, residents of Tema, okay, as uh, uh, chaotic uh, parking of transit haulage trucks um, engulfs the city's major roads. Now, uh, parking, uh, you know, causing danger, posing danger to the lives of. Uh, uh, locals, now drivers, and peoples of basic schools across uh, the metropolis. Now, uh, these people have been, uh, they've been parking there and causing a lot of uh, danger and problems to the residents there. Some of the people are calling on city authorities to ensure they act to bring solution to the people. Uh, to my correspondent, uh, Carlos Caloni has moved from here and has been interacting with the people that he's come through with this report which used to boast as one of Ghana's foremost planned cities, is gradually losing its shine. And some have described the city as a decaying city due to a number of factors, including what you can see in your picture, where you find uh, transit trucks packing by the shoulders of the road here on the Harbour Road, exposing motorists to a lot of danger. Residents have been expressing concerns about this issue and would want to speak to Masaudu, who is a concerned citizen here in Tama about the situation 
and what he makes of the situation. As for this particular road, the transit people have taken over the road and it has narrowed the road. It has made sometimes when you want to cross the road, you don't see your view well. And it has, been, it has caused one or two accidents on this road, several accidents, not one or two. And because of here, the street light and other things too are not working. When they park, darkness overshadows the area and robbers too also attack. The zebra crossing to its feet. So even the children crossing, a car has hit children one or two or three times here due to this particular situation. And it seems the authorities are not concerned with it. A, a, a number of accidents has happened which I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, I think a tanker driver, a, a small car, two cars, and the road was too narrow. So the other car need to hit the big truck on the road. The other uses the transit cars which are parked on the road. So they have been seeing it, and the police people are all aware because this is their route. In the evening, it's dangerous. We need to move the even if the road is swelling because of the weight. It's swelling the road. When you talk to them that they should not park here, then they are fighting with you. The, the Burkina, I don't know whether Burkina or Mali. So you don't need them. And the people are complaining because sometimes when people drop from the car to cross, if you don't watch it well, you hit by a car. It's very dangerous. So we need to remove it here. We need to remove them. Have you had any experience yourself or anybody hit by people? Yeah, several times. So now uh, we have some guys who normally stand here with a flag to direct the people to cross the road. Otherwise, they will hit by a car. It's very, very dangerous. In the evening, you can't stand them. All the time, I fight with them. We really consent to TMA. Uh, we reported to commander, the regional commander. I called them, they came here, still, they are still parking, we don't know. This is our problem, we need to remove them, it's very dangerous, they are swelling the road. This is Community 8, number 3 primary school, right by the road that goes to the harbour. Now, when the kids close from school, they come to this particular bus stop here, and they cross to the other side of the road to pick vehicles into their various homes. But right across the road is what you can see, the trucks parked there. And according to residents, this is actually exposing the school kids to a lot of danger. Now to other stories, and Ghana is likely to alter the deadline for the country's first nuclear power plant due to several factors, including funding. According to Dr. Stephen Yamwa, Executive Director of the Nuclear Power Ghana, the operators of the country's yet-to-be-constructed nuclear power plant, Ghana missed the achievement of the first uh, phase one of the project, and that has the potential to affect the attainment of the 2030 deadline. There's more in this report. Government of Ghana decided to turn to nuclear energy to complement power generation in the country as electricity demand has been estimated to be growing at a high rate of about 7 to 8% per annum over the past years. But the target here for the completion of Ghana's first power plant is likely to be missed. At a news conference organized by the Nuclear Regulatory Authority on the role of the NRA in Ghana's nuclear power program, Dr. Stephen Yamwa, Executive Director of Nuclear Power Ghana, operators of the plant, explained why we are likely to miss. Per the roadmap that we, we developed, which we are still running with it, uh, the target was to complete phase two by 2024. Uh, the phase one target was 
2017, but we missed the target. We eventually completed phase one, I think 2019 or so. So um, there's, a, there's a gap that we need to fill. But in mind, you are nuclear. You can't, sh you can't, you can't shorten the time. You know, you, if you have to go through uh, things in a systematic, orderly way, you go through it. He says the country's roadmap will be reviewed soon. There's a major point after which we will want to review the roadmap. That is when we have had a direction in terms of the technology and the vendor because that seems to be the one major thing that will likely uh, prolong the, 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 the schedule. So if we are able to get a clarity and the direction as to which vendor we're going with, then we are working with the vendor and together we will review the roadmap. As you're watching Join News today on the Join News channel, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with business. Stay with us. Hello, my name is Abeku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the chop better with EcoBank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of EcoBank. Download EcoBank Mobile from Google Play Store or the App Store and discover the smart way to bank. EcoBank, the Pan-African bank. Mom, for kitty rice contains 12 vitamins? Yes, 12 essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So grow healthy and strong. And smart. Absolutely. Kidivite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kidivite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with Kidivite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adom Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated.
Hello, good afternoon. Welcome, welcome to the business segment on Join News today with me, Pius Kojobaka. The Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research is making a case for the electronic transaction levy to be broadened to cover other areas of online businesses. Director for ESEP, Professor Peter Quote, in an interview with Joy Business, said the levy can be changed to e-commerce tax with a reduced rate of less than 1% in order to attract many consumers. Here is more from the Media Budget Review by the Economic and Research Outfit. The Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research has been reviewing the media budget. It recommends some solutions to government that will address the country's budget deficit, high inflation, and concerns of stagnant growth in the private sector. Professor Peter Korte therefore advised government to take a second look at the electronic transaction levy and broaden its scope to cover e-commerce businesses whilst reducing the rate further. The basic idea was not just to tax electronic transfers, it was a more comprehensive thought. Uh, but we have so far focused on electronic transfers, um, e-commerce, and then yeah, some of the businesses that are done online. And it's, it's growing. Because of COVID, a lot of these businesses have flourished. And many businesses are, or uh, uh, entrepreneurs are doing virtual, operating virtually. Some are operating from their homes. They have advertised and they are raking a lot of sales. So it's about time we move beyond electronic transfers and also look at e-commerce so that we can rake in more uh, revenue. If we do so, we can even go ahead and reduce the e-levy rate whilst we tax more of the e-commerce to, to make up for the, for the loss. Also responding to the assertion that the economy has turned around the corner, Professor Korte argued there is more to be done to begin the recovery process. Exchange rates depreciation, relatively stable, but yes, we are suspended debt payment debt servicing. Uh, and it's very uncertain to what extent the foreign creditors are going to allow a haircut. What are they going to forgive us and what are they going to ask us to pay? But I'm hoping on the balance of it all that... Um, will be able to afford and pay and have some stability. Eben Sabutier's report for Joy Business. Now, some financial experts are calling on the education ministry to include financial literacy as a core subject in Ghana's educational curriculum. They believe a limited information on investments and other financial subjects are contributing to the over 40% of Ghanaian youth who have resorted to gambling, particularly sports betting. Programs coordinator for the Ghana Youth Investment Program says the ease access to gambling information whips up the interest of the youth in money exhausting ventures and long term investments. Here is more. In the Ashanti Regional Edition of the Youth Investment Educational Tour, Joshua Mensah cautioned against a looming economic crisis if the youth fail to invest their resources appropriately. If the youth doesn't invest, it's going to be, it's going to be a disaster in Ghana because. The investment is the backbone of every economy in Ghana, in the world. So if the youth are not investing, now what is happening is gambling. The youth have really channeled their efforts to gamble. Now that we are about to start the premiership now in Ghana now, let's go to all the betting states in Ghana. There are a lot of them who are having a lot of ideas, a lot of uh, information about gambling, betting, than investments. And I know that the difference between the rich and the poor is information. If the youth are not informed very well, it's going to affect them seriously. There is no enough information about investing among the youth in Ghana. And I want to appeal to the Ghana Education Service, the uh, 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 tertiary institutions, the stakeholders, to put 
financial education in the curriculum of our children. The Youth Investment Education Tour brought together both tertiary and secondary students for a financial experience in investments. The summit is aimed at promoting interest in savings and investments amongst the youth, thus boosting financial literacy. It expects to create awareness about the capital market and career guidance to students. Stocks expert Hafiz Aziz is advising the youth to make long-term investments. It's a very good way of investing, especially as youth for youth. You have more time ahead, and when you're investing in shares or stocks, uh, it, should, it should be a long-term thing. You should have that long-term mindset, all right, because of the ampers now and the volatility when it comes to investment in stocks. So for youth, investing in stocks is a, is a way forward. But before they invest, they should make sure that they do their research, they do their due diligence, they should make sure that they talk to a professional stock broker for a good advice as to which stock that they should select and invest in. Okay, and sorry to go there. And lastly, what do you think of this? Since its inception four years ago, the yearly summit has impacted over 5,000 students. The National Youth Investment Training Program has really impacted a lot because it has taught us um, differences between assets and liability, how to make your money work for you, and yeah, how to invest, the right time to invest, the right place to invest, and then maybe the right amount to invest. It's most people have misconception that when they invest, you need like lots of money. And then the program is teaching you that you can start small, that's when you start right. So as we can see, the country is currently facing a lot of problems when it comes to the investment sector. So this is giving us the knowledge, the benefit, and then it will help you make an informed decision when you're going to make um, investment. I feel it's a benefit to me to understand the concept of what financially investing your money into something is and then the kind of things you can invest your money in as well. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Bradquick. And that's it for business for now. I am Pius Kojo Bakadara will be here at 1 p.m. with the marketplace. Let's do sports now on Joy News today with me, Muftao Nabila Abdullah, and uh, former Black Stars right back Samuel Inkum says that he has not retired from football yet. Speaking on Prime Take, he says due to his contract with the Crow House of Oak, he wants to see off that before considering other alternatives in his career. At the moment, I have contracts, so I don't talk about my contract, you know, even though I know the contract is supposed to finish this month but uh, i have uh, certain things in my contract that unless the contract finished before i will start to uh, talk about new contract 
Uh, so, uh, so the contract is such that until it expires, you cannot, yeah, you cannot discuss the new one. Otherwise, I'll breach the contract, and I don't want to. <laughs> I respect these things. But so. I know, but I know you have other ambitions. Yeah. Yeah. So it means what it means is that uh, um, if you have to change those ambitions, yeah. you are definitely not not going to be renewing your contract. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to talk so much about this, but uh, I have ambition. That ambition is that. I also want to, after retire, I want to give the young ones. Um, um, I want to, I want to help them to develop very well, because uh, that's why I want to go to into um, uh, sports management. You know, to to try to bring the talent, to scout the young talent as well. To because you know we have it, but they need a good platform to also showcase themselves. Because um, the problem we are having, we don't have too much facilities for our young players to develop. That is why every time I, I wherever I am, wherever I go to, I mention Tobu Afede, Israel Highness. Look at what he has done in Pobi Mine. This is the, the facilities that we need for the young players to develop. You know, we need this kind of facilities. So I, 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 I respect him so much. He's a great king. Now let's go to Techiman, where Ghana Athletics is currently having their elective assembly and uh, incumbent president Ababu Afalvik has withdrawn his candidacy and has thrown his weight behind Chief Executive Officer Baafuseni to be elected president of the Athletics Governing Body elections. Currently voting, currently ongoing as uh, delegates cast their ballots to, throw their way, to uh, elect new leadership for the Athletics, athletics Governing Body for the next four years. So it is Baafuseni whom many people say is likely to be elected president of the Ghana Athletics. This is our wrap of sports here on Joy News today with me, Muftao Nabila Abla. You can head on to myjoyonline.com and read some more sports stories. We appreciate your time. Imagine a family without a home. Imagine a song without a voice. Imagine a church without prayers. Imagine a government without citizens. Imagine democracy without journalists. Imagine a world without the media. Life is full of issues and stories about people, communities, and governments. Stories that have to be told by well-trained journalists. That's why you can't imagine news without Joy News. Everyone has a story. In fact, there was a time I decided I have to stop the music. A story of that unique place that gives them a vibe. It's a spiritual moment for me whenever 
I have to record music because whenever the place is dark, mm. I feel I'm in the studio alone, even okay. without the producer. Vibe that births excellence, special skills, talent, and mastery. Welcome to E Vibes with Becky on this channel. some showbiz now and Ghanaian musical sensation Famir took the stage by storm as he thrilled fans at his first ever headline concert in London UK the event which was in partnership with Bizzle Entertainment took place at Broadway back Balkan theater and it was nothing short of a resounding success Famir's stage presence and vocal prowess captivated the audience from the very first note his ability to connect with his fans on a personal level was evident as the crowd sang along to every lyric. Now, rapper Tory Lanez was sentenced to 10 years in prison by a Los Angeles judge on Tuesday over the 2020 roadside shooting of Megan Thee Stallion, according to ET Entertainment tonight. And I'm just like, oh my God. Tory, whose real name is Daystar Peterson, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for firing a gun at Meg and leaving her with bullet fragments in her feet. The sentence handed down was incredibly harsh. Really just another example of someone being punished for their celebrity status. Megan's powerful victim statement was read aloud in court yesterday. She says she still can't bring herself to be in the same room as Tory. She's spiraled into a dark place and will never be the same. She also wants the judge to send a message because, quote, mercy can only be granted to those who accept responsibility. I spoke with Tory's attorney, Jose Baez, who says his client is suffering. Yes, he's innocent. He did not shoot the gun. Correct. Is your client remorseful? He is incredibly remorseful and ashamed and embarrassed that all of this happened. He's in solitary confinement 23 hours a day. He can't even go to take a shower without chains. It's essentially a living hell. Eight witnesses who were called into court to speak on Tory's behalf. Two were recalled by the defense. And there were many others who wrote letters, like Iggy Azalea, who explained her support for Tory by saying that she's all for prison reform, not throwing away anyone's life.
That's it for showbiz. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with World News. Stay with us. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface like this. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Joy 99.7 FM brings you another Joy Family Forum dubbed Becoming Mr. and Mrs. All you need to know before marriage. A breakfast meeting for singles led by Home Affairs and hosted by yours truly, Adam Knight Day. Our guest speakers for the day are Ghana's favorite uncle, Uncle Lebo White, and Reverend Mrs. Rita Crunchy Ankara, First Lady of the Royal House Chapel. Mrs. Theresa Riafia Sante Mamati, Ariel the Wellness Coach, Kobinata Bedu, PG Sebastian, Lawyer Kwekuyamwa Pinto, Dr. Promise Sepoga, and a host of other seasoned relationship coaches and counselors will all be in attendance. You get to enjoy a good buffet breakfast, giveaways, networking, and other fun activities at a cool rate of 150 Ghana CDs per head and 250 for two. Venue is the Best Western Plus Hotel, Nungwa. Time is 6 a.m. through to 10 a.m. and the date is 12 August 2023. Please reserve your spot now. Call or WhatsApp 059-288-9986 for your reservations. This event is supported by Best Western Plus Hotel, Nungwa, Ship Healthcare Specialist Medical Center, Nish, Gobakinti, and Marine Noel's Spa and Salon. Becoming Mr. and Mrs. All you need to know before marriage. That's World News Now, and President Ekufuado is joining other West African leaders in Abuja, Nigeria, for a crucial meeting on political situation of Niger. The president last week agreed to a collective decision by West African sub-regional body, ECOWAS, to deploy military troops to restore constitutional order in the presidential guard, which ousted democratically elected president Mohamed Bazoum, does not reinstate him within one week. Attempt to dialogue with the military has failed, raising concerns that President Kufado and other leaders may opt for military action. Head of Joy News' Diplomatic and Foreign Affairs Desk joins us for a brief update. First of all, uh, why is this meeting crucial? Uh, well, it's very important because uh, after that one-week ultimatum was given to the military regime in Niger, uh, Bola Metinubon of Nigeria is just mm -hmm. confirming 
a couple of minutes ago that that deliberation did not go on well. Uh, in fact, the results have not been positive in his opinion, uh, which means that the military regime did not yield to the demand of ECOWAS to restore the democratically elected uh, Mohamed Bazou, a reason for which all the leaders are meeting once more in Abuja today to decide on what the way forward will be. Mm. Do we know the leaders attending the, the meeting today? Blessed, I, I want to find out from you if, aside Ghana's president, uh, Nanado Danko Ekufuado, and Bola Tinubu, do we know which other leader is attending today's meeting? Well, in terms of the leaders uh, attending the meeting, uh, all so Ecuador's uh, member states. Uh, if, if you can hear me, Brace, I'm just talking about the fact that we know that President Ekufuado is attending that meeting. Um, other heads of state are also present, okay. including some leaders out of ECOWAS state um, who are also participating in the meeting okay. uh, with the likes of President from Burundi and the others joining okay. uh, this conference. Mm. The, the, the decision itself to deploy the military has been generating a lot of concerns. What are some of the reactions? Well, so uh, lots of people have been raising concerns about this, uh, even musicians such as Ben Abu Afghanistan are questioning why uh, ECOWAS would want to go in with military troops into Niger. And um, beyond that as well, even at the meeting today, uh, Bola Bentinogu has just confirmed himself that um, using the military would have to happen after all means are exhausted. Uh, and that's why um, the emissary that has been sent, uh, General Abdul Salami, retired, and the emir... Uh, um, one of the Islamic clerics that, that's also been appointed uh, are all making attempts to have dialogue with the military regime in Niger. Um, so for now, it appears that um, the clergy uh, and some other uh, non-state actors are calling for caution um, in the deployment of the military because that may escalate tension within the sub region. All right, grateful to you. Uh, blessed Soga there. Now, that's, that's it for the world news and also concludes the bulletin for you. There is more news on myjoyonline.com. My name is Samuel Kojo Brace. Daryl Kwao is up next with Marketplace. Good afternoon.